This is your Places Call. You're listening to Theatrical Thoughts. I'm Emily Wyra. And I'm Jessica Fight. And today we are joined by Devin Hadsell. Devin is best known for her time in the original Broadway cast of Mean Girls. Devin, thank you so much for coming on today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be with you guys. We are too. Like I said earlier, I'm kind of fangirling right now. This is super <laughs> exciting for us. So. <laughs> I'm excited too. This will be great. Yeah. All right, so as you know, we like to kick off our show with our 60-second life story segment. I'm going to go and start my good old iPhone ah! and you'll give your whole life in a minute. Are you ready for this? I think so. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. <laughs> you got this. All right, here we go. Okay. Hi, my name is Devin Hetzel. I um, was born in Santa Barbara, California. Grew up in Napa. Um, I'm the oldest of three. I have a younger sister and a brother. I've been singing um, and dancing before I could walk and talk. I um, went to college at Cal State Fullerton and got my BFA in musical theater and then did a lot of regional theater, did the tour of The Little Mermaid and then moved to New York um, in 2014. Um, I'd always dreamed of being on Broadway since I was a kid. And and I auditioned for Mean Girls. Um, it was, I think, January of 2017 and got to do the lab and workshop and then got asked to do the out of town and Broadway. And that was my Broadway debut. And it was so much fun. And I have been in Mean Girls um, since uh, COVID happened. And um, yeah, since COVID happened, I have been teaching a lot and cleaning a lot and cooking a lot <laughs> and all of those fun things, getting into... Um, super artistic things. Oh, I have four seconds left. Three, uh, two, and that's kind of my life story chapter today. Ah, I did it. Oh my gosh. That was so quick. That was great. <laughs> I like added him like random things. That was so fun. What a fun little starter. Right. We like, I feel like it's like a nice little icebreaker. I don't know. It's fun. And it's just smooth sailing from there. It's great. Right. Exactly. Low, low stress. <laughs> Now, you're one of those I was dancing before I could walk types. How did that happen? And I wish that I could say the same. <laughs> I was, Emily was not. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So like my my mom would tell me that as a baby, like I would just be like, la, 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 like before I was even saying words like mom or dad or anything. And then, you know, just always moving, always wiggling, always, um, you know, crawling around and like moving my body and so when I was a kid that's when my mom was like you know we got to get her in some lessons just to see and so I did um I actually had my first ballet lesson I was five and my first like time I did a musical I was also five I did um Gretel and the Sound of Music and that was my very first musical yeah and from then on I just never stopped performing um, and that kind of like ignited my love for theater when I was like a baby, little, little toddler. That's yeah. the most amazing thing. Sound <laughs> of Music, I feel like Sound of Music is such like a gateway musical for like yeah. everybody was mine for sure. I Oh yeah, I love that it. and I remember I was actually talking to my boyfriend in the car about this the other day. I would watch as a kid, the movie musicals of Grease um, with John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John, um, West Side Story, that was made into a movie and Sound of Music. And those were like my top three. Like, that's all I wanted to watch as a kid. That's like, that was it. Oh, 100%. Sound of Music yeah. was like my holy grail. West Side. Oh, oh my God. The West. Best. <laughs> the best. So now you ended up getting your BFA um, at Cal State, you said, right? Hmm? Which is incredible. So I guess, how did you sort of know that you were like, all right, professional musical theater, this is what I'm going to do. How did you sort of come to that? That's actually a really great question because there was a point in high school 
um, where I was studying a lot of classical voice. I was studying classical ballet and I did musicals in high school, but for some reason, I had this weird vision in my head of like, I didn't want to go the musical theater route for like a minute. I wanted to go like, oh, the classical like things. I don't know why I felt that way because I always loved musicals and I always like Broadway was always a dream of mine, but I had this weird, you know, sometimes you go through phases in your life where you're like, oh, I don't know, you know? And there was a, a point where I actually wanted to go into like a classical ballet company. And I was told by my studio that, and in the nicest way possible that that really wasn't in the cards for me, I didn't have, you know, you need the natural extension and the feet and, you know, you have to have a very, very slim body. And those were just all things I naturally didn't have. And so at the time I was like crushed, but they knew I could sing too. And they were like, you know, you should focus on, you know, don't lose your voice and focus on your voice. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I love singing and all that. But at the time, you know, for that period in high school, I was like, I wanted to be in a ballet company, but I am actually so glad that didn't happen because it got me refocused on what I always loved and always wanted to do anyway. And, and so I kept focusing on voice. I actually went to USC for a year down in Southern California and studied opera for a year. And I kind of even took a break from dance, but I was missing dance too. And I was like, okay, Devin, this is the sign. You need to be doing theater, which includes acting, singing, and dancing, all the three things that you love. And you know, the classical world is amazing and I love it. And it gave me so much technique but um, after my first year at USC, I started looking at other colleges. I was like, I need a musical theater program where I can do all three. That's where I live. That's what I love. That's what I want to do. And so I found Cal State Fullerton and they had a BFA in musical theater. And so you had to be just as good as act in acting as you were in singing, as you were in dancing. And I went and I shadowed the program and oh my gosh, the dance classes were great. And all of the students, I watched their musical theater um, singing class and they were just like phenomenal and I was like oh my gosh mom I have to go there I have to go and so I couldn't transfer right away because I was a freshman and I needed I only had I think 30 credits and you needed 60 credits to transfer so I had to do a year of community college so I got a lot of GEs out of the way I went to a couple community colleges um, and actually that's when I started working at Disneyland was during that time. Yeah. Which was so fun, but made the move. Then I transferred in to Cal state Fullerton. I technically should have been a junior. It was my third year of college, but I transferred in as a sophomore. I auditioned for, um, the BFA after that year and I made it in. And so I was in for the BFA for my junior and senior year. And also why I knew I wanted to go there was because your senior year, they fly you to New York and put you up in a hotel, um, for free for your showcase so they fly you there you just have to pay for um you know anything beyond the the flights and the hotels but that's like part of the program which was so awesome and that's actually how i got my very first agent way back in the day so so yeah that was kind of my journey from from getting to my high school phase of like what do i really want to do where's my passion what are people saying you know and kind of getting to USC community school, working at Disney and then getting to Cal State. It was kind of a, a huge journey all down in Southern California, but um, yeah, that's how I ended up choosing Cal State Fullerton. That's amazing. It's like, I feel like we hear so many people that like, I feel like the things you hear are like, oh, you go four years and then book Broadway, but no, that's not realistic. Like everyone has their oh. own journey. So I love getting to hear about everyone's different. Yeah, yeah so true. So you were part of the Disney family for quite a while. Mm -hmm. So you worked on, um, you worked at Disneyland and then you ended up 
booking the equity tour of Little Mermaid. So tell us all about that and what it was like working with Disney. So Disney was super fun. I started working there. I actually auditioned for Disney three times. Um, and the first, or I guess it was, yeah, three times, uh, four times. The first three times I did not get it. I went in for, um, it was, they were looking for dancers in the parade. Um, I forget which parade it was. Um, not sensational because I did sensational. It was whatever parade was before sensational. And I'm forgetting right now, went to audition for that. Didn't get it. Didn't get called back. I auditioned for a character host initially. Um, and they kind of helped the characters out at the park and form the lines and take the pictures for the guests. Didn't get that. Then I went and I auditioned for fuzzies, which fuzzy characters, um, are, um, you know, Minnie, Mickey, all of them. And I was just like the wrong height. I was the wrong height for that. And so, um, so I randomly got a call actually, as I was driving down to make the move, um, to Cal state Fullerton to live right next door and do my community college year. I got a call saying they wanted me to re-audition for character host. And I was like, wait, this is bizarre because I'm literally moving down. And, 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 um, for those who don't know, who are listening, um, Disneyland is actually like a 13 minute drive away from Cal State Fullerton. So yeah, so from LA, it was really far. It was like an hour and a half, depending on traffic. So the fact that I was driving down to Cal State Fullerton and I get the call that they want me to come re-audition and the audition was only like, like, I don't know, maybe 16 of us. And they asked us very simple questions. They took us in three at a time. And they asked us some simple questions, kind of getting our personality. And then I got the call, I think a few days later that I got um, cast as a character host at Disneyland. And I was like, oh my God, I was so excited. It was Disney. Um, and so that's how I started was as a character host, helping the characters and forming um, the lines for the guests and taking pictures for them. And then I auditioned for the Christmas parade. Um, this was in 2010, 2010. So that's when I first got the job trained. And then I got Christmas. Um, I booked the Christmas parade too at Disneyland. So I got to be the ballerina doll on point shoes on a moving float at Disneyland, which was so fun, but it's also so scary. You're literally like, there's like a little belt you have on and you're attached to like, like kind of like a music doll post and it rotates as you're, as the float is going and as you're on, in point shoes doing the combination, it's crazy. So I did, yes, in point shoes on a moving float. These are not easy, like. To balance on in general, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that was super fun though, um, hard, but fun. And then um, that next January, I went to the, um, face character audition. And uh, after doing that, I became good friends with Cinderella. Um, and then I did Fantasmic and I did um, Paint the Night Parade. And I also was friends with Snow White and Mary Poppins. Um, and so that was so, so fun to get to do that. And I worked there for six years up until I moved to New York. Um, but even before that, I, uh, before moving to New York, I did the tour of the Little Mermaid, which you mentioned. And that is actually what got me my equity card. So I um, auditioned and um, there was a dance call. And I booked that and it was kind of an on and off type tour, which is why I was able to stay at Disneyland. We had like a couple months in Texas and then we had a month off and then we had um, like a, a 10 days in Sacramento and then some time off and then here and there, you know, so it was kind of like an on and off tour. So in between I would go back and work at Disneyland, pick up shifts at Disney. So, um, 
yeah, I've loved working for Disney. They're such a fun company. They're, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a job where you get to go play dress up and have fun and, you know, wave to kids in the parade and just, yeah, it was a great, it was a great time. So yeah, six years total at Disneyland and then about a year doing the little mermaid tour. So yeah, that was my, my journey with Disney and also was a Disney kid, you know, grew up on all the movies and saying, um, I remember Lion King, was it Lion King? No, Pocahontas came out in theaters and before it had come, um, before you could go watch it, the soundtrack came out. And so I'd memorized the entire Pocahontas soundtrack and I went dressed up as Pocahontas and I sang my little heart. I think I was, I was young at that time. When did it, I was maybe three or four and, you know, people were telling, you know, my, my mom and dad and grandparents who went with me, you know, have to have that girl sit down, have your daughter sit down. And I didn't care. I was just singing. And, you know, so I've been, I've loved Disney my whole, my whole life. And um, yeah, so that was, that was my Disney journey. Oh my God. That's amazing. And Emily <laughs> and I are huge Disney people also. So yes, we love, we love talking about Disney. We could talk about Disney all day. <laughs> oh, all day. That's so awesome. So moving forward, you ended up booking Mean Girls. So mm-hmm. we love to hear people's audition stories and like how you booked it. Cause you said you also did the lab and out of town tryout. So we let's mm-hmm. tell us all about that. Okay. <laughs> yes. Wow. From the beginning. So I don't know why I remember this. I'm, I'm very good remembering dates. Um, but I, the audition for the workshop for Mean Girls was January 3rd, 2017. And what is so crazy. And I went to the female dancer call. So Um, so it was mainly, it was just dancing that day. Um, and about 400 girls showed up and they took us into the room, um, about 25 at a time. And when I got into the room, I saw the amazing associate choreographer, um, John McGinnis, who was also the choreographer for the little mermaid tour that I had done which was so insane. And I had no idea he was going to be there. He works with Casey Nicola all the time, the director. And I had no idea. So I was like, oh my gosh, you know, just gave him a quick little, small little wave. And it was just like, good to see him. But all we had to do for that initial audition was um, they, we were lined up in a line of 25 and we just had to step forward, say our name, grab our leg and bring it up next to our head, do a leg hold, put our leg back down, and step back in line. And that was the first cut. Mm-hmm. So from that, they narrowed it down to about from 400 girls down to about 75 of us. Then they took us in, in a little bit smaller groups and we did, um, actually it was three groups. So yeah, I guess it was 25, 25, 25. Yeah. And we did the dance combo. So, and it was to fearless, which is the last number of act one. And it was like, all these crazy like ballet attitude turns and triple pirouette end in the middle splits reach forward and it was like so hard and so insane but I was like okay we got to do this we got this we can we can we can do it so that was the first day and then I got asked to come back and go to the invited dance call so then that it was people who hadn't seen the combo before there were maybe about 40 girls and then there was another, then there was a callback and I had to sing this time. And then there was a fourth callback and they gave like some, um, like understudy side. So they wanted ensemble members who could cover some people. So initially I was actually given Katie and Janice sides to, um, to read in the, in the initial audition. And so we did that and dance every time we came in, we danced. And then our final 
time, the final time I came in, everybody came in a different amount of times. I know from talking to other people, I came in five times, my fifth time, they, there were about 20 of us girls and we all did the combo three at a time. And then we all came back and sang and did our sides by ourselves. And um, Tina Fey was there, Jeff Richmond, her husband who did the music, Nell Benjamin, who did the lyrics. She also did Legally Blonde and many others. And um, Casey Nicola, the director was there who did Book of Mormon and Something Rotten and Aladdin. Um, he was there. So it was like, oh my gosh. So I had to like psych myself out big time and be like, you know what, Seven? If you don't make it past this, you made it this far. And like, you did great, you know, like, pumping yourself up, just being like, just at this point, you know, you just got to go in and be you, you know, you, you can't do anything else but that. So, so yeah. So then, so then I went in, did my thing and I was like, okay, you know, whatever happens, happens. And I think it was a few weeks later, I got the call that, um, they wanted me for the lab. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. Eight, eight of us girls for the ensemble for that. So that was like super, super, super fun, super cool. We did, we um, did it for a, a month in April. We kind of learned the whole show. We rehearsed 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Saturday with Sundays, our, our one day off. Yeah. And so we did that for all of April. We had the summer off. Um, and a few weeks after that, the lab ended in April, we got the call if they wanted us to continue for out-of-town tryouts in Broadway, which was so exciting. And so um, we went to Washington, D.C. And that was probably, in all of my experiences in theater, that was, the pro that was probably the most intense and exhausting time I have ever had rehearsing because what we would do is we would rehearse during the day, normally say like 12, like noon to five, and then we would do a show at night with all of the changes and rehearsals, uh, all the things we did in that rehearsal put into the show that night for the preview. And for those listening who don't know what a preview is, that is where an audience comes and pays, but it, the show hasn't officially opened yet. So things can change every night during a preview. When you see previews, it was different than the previous night and it's gonna be different than the next night. So that's what previews are. It's kind of the trial run of the show before they officially open and little things are changed here and there. But we did that every day before every preview, we had rehearsals and some of our leads, oh my gosh, they were, they're just so incredible. They would have like full new lyrics of songs that they would learn that day and then would have to put in the show that night, right? It like absolutely insane. And for us dancers, we would have, you know, full count, like, you know, 32 counts, if not, you know, 64 counts of new choreography we would have to put in while singing, you know, and sometimes our little ensemble lines would be different or added in different places. So it was, it was amazing, but also the most crazy time. And like so many, you know, we were, we were exhausted. So, but so fun. We did that. We, we got through that. We were there from uh, when was it? I think September or October to December, beginning of December. Then we had January off and we came back in February for Broadway. And then we opened April 8th of 2018. And, uh, and yeah, and then the show was open. And once the show was open, no more rehearsals for changes. Um, and yeah, we, we, we flew from there. So that was my long winded story of how we got from audition number one to opening on Broadway.
Dude, I give you so much credit. I can barely keep a show straight when I rehearse it for like a month every single day. <laughs> I can't imagine having everything shifting like that so drastically. Oh my God. Yeah, it, it was a lot. It was, it was, yeah, we had to be so on it every day. Bad props to you. That's so impressive. <laughs> now in developing a show, I mean, amid the chaos, I mean, there had to have been good parts too, I'm sure. What oh, definitely. Was your favorite part of working on a new show? I mean, especially with such an iconic creative team and, you know, the movie and everything. I mean, what was sort of the highlights for you of working on a new production? I think the highlights were definitely like once we opened on Broadway, because then all the hard work became more fun because we had the show, right? We had the show down and then we could, it could, it started to feel really comfortable in our bodies, but that's also when um, really fun things started to happen outside of the show too. Like we got um, asked to perform. um, We got asked to do an SNL skit. We got asked to perform for the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade. We got to perform on the Tonys. Um, We got to, some people got to do um, a late night with Seth Meyer show. And so, you know, all of those things started to really um, come about after we opened too. We got to go, um, you know, we had our opening night party and like all the fun stuff really started to like blossom then too. You know, all of the, all of our hard work started to pay off, even though we were still working and rehearsing and doing, you know, hard stuff. Oh, we filmed the Mean Girls commercial too, you know, things like that. So we got to do all this extra fun stuff that was still hard work, but like also fun and exciting too, you know, like people got to you know, we got to share it with people because it was filmed or because, you know, people finally got to come see the show, family members, everything, you know? So yeah, probably after opening was like, my, oh, we got to record that album, the, 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 the original cast recording. And then we did, you know, a listening party. So that probably all that stuff, the first year, like right after we opened, like those first six months were probably my favorite part of like the whole process. That's so freaking cool. There's so many cool things you guys got to do. I mean, I remember like watching all of this so intently. <laughs> like, oh, awesome. <laughs> I got to ask this because I'm a huge SNL fan and I want to know. know what it's like behind the scenes and like working on that aspect too. And that's also a super unique kind of mean girls thing and not a lot of Broadway companies get to do. So what was it like on SNL? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's so true because yeah, we have Tina Fey there and she, you know, she's such a huge part of SNL. Um, and so it was really amazing because you kind of see, you know, the little skits that they do on SNL when they're in like a room or when they're in like a studio, most of it, it's so crazy, but like most of it is just cardboard walls that are around. And so we were in, so we were in like a, a fake studio, which when you watch the skit, it looks like it's a pretty big studio. It was literally the smallest it was such a small little square room that was in actually I think where they filmed late night with Seth Meyers or or no maybe Jimmy Fallon show it was in one of the other talk show rooms and they had just put these walls up around it was like unreal and so you just kind of see like all of the um the tricks that they they have backstage to make it look so real on camera that was kind of so amazing. Like, you know, that happens, but like seeing it, you're like, oh my gosh, this really is like, I'm not in a real room right now. Like the cameras are low enough so they can't see that it's just like open above us. And um, so that was amazing to see. Also Cecily Strong and A.D. Bryant, who are um, big members of SNL, they did one of the skits with us. So we were literally sitting right next to them. Um, and I'm like, I'm a huge fan. I was fangirling over them. I was just like, no way. Like. I'm literally 
sitting next to these people that I like idolize you know so you're in the room with those people and Tina Fey did a um you know she played Gretchen or she was like the wannabe Gretchen in the show and it was just so funny because you got to see how Tina Fey works too you got to see her do her line over again or be like oh no I want let, let, let's do that again I want to I want to try it like this this time and she would be giving tips to other you know actors too or like the leads got to do little skits and she'd be like okay try it this way this time so you got to see her work in her tv film realm right where she's so comfortable and like lives and thrives so that was amazing that was something that yeah I'll, I'll never forget that okay that is just so cool and I'm <laughs> going to re-watch that skit as soon as we leave yeah. this yes, yes it's so, so funny too it's like one of those ones that's on like my favorite SNL playlist ones it's so funny I mean it's so time. good it's so good and then Lin-Manuel Miranda I think was in a little <laughs> oh it's too good that's amazing so not only did you have your own track each night, but you understudied five different roles throughout your time in these roles. How did you keep that all straight? <laughs> um, yeah, so I understudied Gretchen and Karen and then the adult women, which uh, includes three tracks, which is, yeah, Katie's mom, Regina's mom, and Miss Norberry. So luckily, that was actually the first uh, role that I learned was the adult woman track. And the hardest thing about that track, honestly, was the quick changes because she had to get, you know, from Miss Norbury into Mrs. George and then from Miss George back into Miss Norbury, but then a little quick change into Katie's mom. So, cause the lines on stage um, weren't too crazy. It was like more, you know, fun. You just kind of get to be the characters and Regina's mom is so crazy, you know? So it was like, that part was really fun. But for that role, it was the backstage. Um, moments that were like okay you had to focus and your our dressers were amazing and like helped so much with that um the hard the hardest role was probably Gretchen um because she had such high energy and that was the second role that I learned but it was so fun and she's um so energetic and just so funny and yeah so then after that I had to learn Karen and that was difficult because if you've seen the musical um, they are right next to each other in almost every scene. There's only a couple times where they're apart. So I had to really compartmentalize. And so what I did is I made sure that I like fully learned Gretchen and knew that backwards and forwards. And then I really focused on Karen and just learned that backwards and forwards. And so that I could easily switch into, okay, Gretchen brain, Karen brain. But I do remember there was one time I was actually on for Gretchen, but I was studying Karen because I think I had, I had to have a rehearsal or I had to put in or something for Karen. And um, Kate Rockwell was uh, the, our amazing Karen. And I was on as Gretchen with her that night. And I accidentally, I remember at the end of our Who's House number, which is our big, hip, like more hip hoppy number, I was supposed to go as Gretchen to the down or to the upstage part of the couch. And I went to Karen's spot, the upstage part, because I was studying Karen during the day. I had to go on for Gretchen that night. And Kate was so sweet. And she just went to Gretchen's spot and then the couch was spun up and all was good. And once we got upstage, she's like, oh my God, you totally went in my spot. And I was like, oh my God, I did. I'm so sorry. Like, <gasps> and she's like, oh my gosh, it's no big deal. You know, it's literally, I just go to the other side and like, I was like, oh, it's because I was literally studying Karen today. And like, then I got thrown on for Gretchen and like, but I'm in Karen mode, you know? So that was probably the hardest part of understudying was because those two parts were so similar in terms of blocking and the scenes, you know? So 
Um, but it was so much fun. It was so much fun. Gretchen was the role that I made my like Broadway principal debut in was Gretchen. So Gretchen has like a very special place in my heart. And my family ended up randomly coming. I forget why they had come to just visit me in New York and they got to see my Gretchen, my first time on as Gretchen. Yeah. So that was like, I know really, really special. That was cool. So yeah, that was my crazy understudy journey. Okay, the fact that your family was there right when you made the principal debut. I mean, come on. How is that real? I know, I know. It was so, I just, I couldn't believe it. So yeah, it was neat. It was so cool to have them there for that. That's so, so cool. (laughs) (laughs) So now I guess, what would you say is the most rewarding aspect of understudying? You know, what was sort of your favorite part of that? Oh, I think what's so cool about understudying is you it's, it's a, such a refreshing, like, cause you do your track every night, eight times a week. Right. And you'd love it. Cause it's like yours. But then when you get to go into an understudy track, it's so fun. Cause you get to do something new and then you come back to your track and you're all refreshed and you feel, you know, so excited to go back. But I think it's so fun too, because you know, you also get to put your own spin to the character, right. And put your own personality. And of course, you know, the creatives want it to be a certain way, but you being you, it's going to be a little bit different, you know, than the original. So, you know, adding your flair, you know, doing, making it, you know, your version of the character too, is so special. And, um, you know, having a team that's supportive of that and, and, you know, the cast and crew, whenever any of the understudies went on and same with swings, like when swings had to go on for us, they're, you know, they're basically understudies for the ensemble. They have to cover our roles, you know? So everyone in our cast was just so supportive. And I think that was the best thing. Like we always celebrated when someone went on for the first time. And like, if, if something happened and someone, you know, forgot something or messed up, like everyone was like, Oh, I got you. I'll pick you up. I'll, you know, I'll help. Oh, like everyone was just there for each other, you know, supportively and during the show. And so I think that was like one of the most special things about, you know, being an understudy too, was our sense of community in the show was so strong and everyone was so, so nice. And yeah, it was just a fun change, you know, from your normal, your normal everyday role that you do. So I loved that about it. That made me really miss theater. (laughs) Oh yeah. I know the community of theater, right? Oh, that's our favorite thing. We, Nothing we like talk it. about that at least once a week, Emily. Oh, a lot. <laughs> so now Casey Nicola, Nicola um, was the director. So what was your favorite part about working with him and how did his directorial style differ from other directors that you've worked with previously? Casey Nicola is so, so fun. And what's so cool about him is he used to be a dancer in the ensemble. Like that's how he started his career. And so he really understands actors and he really values ensemble members, which is like so special to see, you know, that he, he knows that every single, you know, that so many people are working hard, but especially ensemble members who are dancing like crazy and moving set pieces and, you know, all the things he just, he sees that and he really, he really recognizes, you know, how much hard work you know, we do and, and everyone does. And, and he is someone who he expects a lot from you. You know, he wants you to be prepared like any director, but he also really cares about you. He has such a big heart. And like, if there's something funny that he thinks about, or, 
you know, there's something you think is funny. Like he's someone you can share that with and laugh, a laugh about with, you know, and have, have a good time with, and then get back to business, you know, and be on it and be ready to go and have high energy. But like, also he had that beautiful balance of that, right. Of like, you know, you had to be on it with him, but you could also joke and say something funny too. And he would laugh and it would, you know, he would make a joke and we would laugh. So he just had a, a way of creating such a wonderful atmosphere in the rehearsal room, you know? So I think that was something that was really special about him and the way he worked and the fact that he just, he really valued everyone and, and made us all feel special. So I think that that was, that was really neat. That's amazing. He seems so cool. I'm a huge fan of his work and just everything he does. You can really see that sort of care and especially with the ensemble, yeah. I think that there's such an emphasis place, which is so important because the hardest working mm -hmm. people on Broadway, I mean, you guys bust your butts. It's insane. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so now, as is very clear, we're huge fans of the show. <laughs> um, so I'm really curious from your side of it, what you think resonates the most with audiences and sort of obviously Mean Girls became this huge thing. Mm -hmm. What you think really stood out to, especially, I guess, young people in particular um, about the show? Yeah, I think that's such a, a, a great question because I think it's so hard, especially, you know, when we're younger to, you know, think that we have to be a certain way to be liked or to, to be accepted. And I feel like the pressure is so much bigger in high school. I feel like once you get to college, everyone's really celebrated for their individuality. You know, for the most part, I feel like it's easier to be yourself. But in high school, you know, it's so much easier to feel like you have to conform, right? To be to be liked or to to fit in. And um, and I love that Mean Girls. They touch on kind of the bullying aspect that can happen in school and how you know to be happy and to you know have a good time in high school, especially, you don't have to turn into a mean girl or be nasty to people or, you know, be someone you're not just to be liked or just to be in the popular group. Like that doesn't matter. Like if you're a nice person and you like who you are, then that's all that matters, you know? And I think it, Katie really got wrapped into that whole world, right? She didn't really know any better at the time because, she being homeschooled, she didn't kind of realize like the school dynamic of things. And so she was like, oh yeah, like I want, I, I need to be liked and accepted. I don't have any friends here, you know? And so she got into this world of like, of nastiness. And she realizes at the end, like, wait, that's not me. I don't need to be like this. Like we're all wonderful the way that, that we are, you know? And, and even what's cool is that even Regina, like kind of realizes that, yeah, you know, everybody you know like just be a boss like be 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 cool yourself like when she says in the bathroom oh my gosh it's been so long now but you know she has that moment too of like self-realization of like you know being yourself and individuality and being kind to others that's another thing of like you don't always have to get along with everyone at school like that's just not realistic and that's not going to happen in the real world either but being kind to everyone regardless I think is such a special message too right because it's it's easy to like you know gang up or get nasty or be like oh or you know gossip or whatever but it's so much better to just be kind to people and if you don't mesh with them that's okay you just don't have to hang out with them you can hang out with your friends but going out of your way to be mean or nasty like what Regina did you know you just saw the awful effects of that and so that's something that's beautiful being yourself um being an individual being kind to others um, and also what my mom 
mentioned too that was in the musical which wasn't in the movie because the movie was made in oh my gosh it came out in what 2004 I think which is crazy I can't believe that but back then you know social media wasn't as big as it is now and social media so much bullying can happen and so much you know it's all about followers and likes and blah, 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 you know all that stuff and so it's great that the show also brings that in because that brings younger generations in too of like oh this is what I'm dealing with right now like this has really been giving me anxiety you know, as a kid right now. So I think that that's so cool that the musical brings in that the movie didn't touch on because it just wasn't, that wasn't happening back then. So yeah, all, all to, to wrap up my long spiel, basically being kind um, uh, to all people and to celebrate yourself and your individuality and who you are. And so I think that those are the two big messages of, of the show that I love for young people. I think that is so well said. And as two high schoolers, I mean, we know how relevant it is. Right. It's so important that the show talks about those kind of things mm-hmm. and shows that it's not just like a something that you're dealing with. It's something that every high schooler goes through. So I think right, so right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I guess kind of just wrapping up, we love ending on this. Like, if you had to give yourself your past self one piece of advice, what would you say? Oh, I would say to my, to my older self to breathe because sometimes I would forget to breathe and it would just make me anxious. Um, and to be a better listener and to know that, you know, if people say things that you don't necessarily like or relate to, you know, you don't have to chime in kind of like mean girls, you know, you don't have to chime in and like say things or like gossip too, just because other people are doing it. You know, you can, you you can be in the space or at work or with friends and, and not participate. And, and that can actually really help protect your energy. Right. I think one of the biggest things that I've realized, even in COVID is like protecting your energy and to know that like you, for my, for my younger self to, not be so willing to kind of like, I I really mesh to people's energies. And I think during the pandemic, I kind of found my own energy and my own peace. And that's kind of helped me find a sense of like happiness and less anxiety, right? I'm actually a very anxious person. So that was kind of a wonderful realization to me of like, oh, that's okay. If like, you don't want to go out that night and like, you need to go home and like rest because you're feeling tired and you want to go to bed. Like, I think my old me would feel left out or like I was going to miss out. And my new me is like, oh, but this is me taking care of my body and myself. And that is very important too. So those are some things I would tell my, my younger self. Really relate to that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's so hard because you want to go to everything, you know? just being okay with you. There's something really about that. That's been my summer goal. Like be okay with you. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. I love that. Yeah. Um, important. Um, this was amazing. Like so, so grateful for you for taking the time. This has been so, oh. so for you. thank you so much. This thank is- you. Thank you both for having me. What a wonderful podcast you have. I feel so honored that you asked me. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Connect with Devin on Instagram, follow at Devin Hadsell to keep up to date on her latest projects. Be sure to follow Theatrical Thoughts at Theatrical Thoughts Podcast on Instagram as well. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.